So several years ago, I was in New Orleans, uh, Baptist Theological Seminary, where I received my seminary training and, and earned my theological degrees. And <clears throat> one, of the, one, of the, one of the practices within my discipline of evangelism was to uh, go out and share the gospel. And it makes sense that we would not just learn how to share the gospel, but we would actually practice sharing the gospel. And so each spring, uh, students were selected based on what course level you were in. So students were selected to uh, partner with evangelists, uh, vocational evangelists, professional evangelist men that shared their faith all the time. We were partnered and paired with evangelists and then sent out to specific locations around the city of New Orleans during Mardi Gras. <clears throat> You know, there's a, a saying of how to teach a kid to swim, just throw them in the deep end, and they did. So they, they would pair us up with uh, these, these men that were, uh, I don't want to say professional evangelists in the sense that, that that was what they did because they were paid to do it, but that is what they did as their living was to share the gospel. And so we were paired up with these different evangelists, and I, had, I was uh, partnered with one man, and and we were uh, taken to downtown New Orleans uh, by shuttle, and then we were dropped off at this church plant that was very near to the, um, to the, to the Mecca of Mardi Gras, to, to Bourbon Street. I know none of y'all know what that is, uh, but Bourbon Street. And we were, we were then to walk towards our, um, our assigned location. So I was partnered with this evangelist, and, and we're making our way down, um, walking around the streets, and, and he's just asking me some questions, starting up conversation, tell me about where you are, tell me about your family, tell me about your church, tell me about your ministry. He's like, well, tell me, what, how have you practiced evangelism? Do you have any experience sharing the gospel? And I told him I did. He said, well, tell me what you think about public evangelism. So there's some different types of evangelism. You have personal Personal evangelism, which is what you and I are being invited to do during this reach emphasis, which is where we have personal conversations where we seek to share the gospel. And then you have mass evangelism. Mass evangelism is what we do here when we give a public appeal um, to masses of people. We share the gospel and we invite mass groups to respond to the gospel. That's mass evangelism. Then you have public evangelism, which is not necessarily organized within a mass setting, but it is a public practice of sharing our faith. So it would be like going out into the public uh, marketplace and just preaching the gospel or seeking to entice conversation with, uh, with groups of people in the public setting. And so there's some differentiations in it. And so he said, well, what's your understanding and practice of public evangelism? And I told him, I said, you know, I, I, I appreciate public evangelism, but to tell the truth between pastoring, being a dad, being a husband, and also going to seminary full-time, I just simply don't have much time for public evangelism. I said, but the instances where I've done public evangelism, whether on mission fields or in mission trips, it's really been more engaged to how can I get a conversation started with a stranger rather than just standing up and, and shouting. And I said, I, and we're just walking. I said, you know, honestly, I've, I've seen guys either on video or in person who have just stood on public corners and have just screamed at people and shouted at them. You know, you're going to hell and, and you're all sinners and you need to turn and repent. And I said, I just, personally, I just don't know that that's what God's called us to do. And I'm not really sure that that's the best approach. You know, if we're, if we're trying to win people to Jesus Christ, maybe we should have a winsome approach to winning people. I said, I'm just not sure that that's the best approach. And so 
He said, I completely understand. And we walked a few more steps and we got to this street corner at Canal in New Orleans, which is a major thoroughfare in Bourbon Street. There is probably no more populated place on the face of this earth than Canal and Bourbon Street during Mardi Gras. And so we get there. He said, this is our location. I'm going to start preaching if that's okay with you. And I said, sure, go ahead. So he takes his backpack off. He unzips it. He pulls out a megaphone. And folks are, I mean, folks are just feet away from us. He says, you're going to hell. You sinners turn, turn from your sin. Trust Jesus. You're going to hell. I slowly walked away (laughs) and I went back to find one of my professors and I said, I didn't sign up for that. When we're called to share our faith, that's not what we're called to. And I just, any of you who hear this call to share their faith or or, or understand that we're inviting our church to participate in reaching our community and you're like, well, I just don't know that I want to go and be that guy. I want to tell you, don't go and be that guy. Please don't. And if for some reason, any of you get it in your mind that that's the most effective, effective way to get in people's faces and shout horrible things at them uh, and, and never give them an opportunity to understand why it is that they should trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If for whatever reason you feel compelled that that is your prescribed mission, don't tell them that you came from Lone Oak First Baptist Church. <laughs> Now, there are times for personal evangelism. There are times for public evangelism. There are times for mass evangelism. But within those prescribed times and instances, there is a way to approach sharing the gospel so that we can win more than we lose. And if we simply shout in their faces without talking to them about the good news of Jesus Christ, we are positioning ourselves to lose more than we win. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a loser. I want to be one that wins for the glory of the Lord. So we have this morning, we talk about sharing. We've got three points that I want to draw your attention to. And I need you to turn in your Bibles to two places. First, I need you to turn to the book of Acts, and then we're going to jump very quickly into the book of Romans. So both of those books are in the New Testament. And I want to share with you about sharing. I want to give you some instruction. We've had sermon series here. We've had teaching series. This is really a training series. We're taking time to train. My understanding of pastoring is not only walking with people as they seek to follow the Lord, but walking with people as they seek to follow the Lord. And the truth of the matter is, is people can only follow the Lord so much until they begin doing the things that the Lord has called them to do. And so I want to be a pastor that not only loves the folks that are within the church, but mobilizes the folks that are within the church to mobilize us to do what the Lord has called us to do. And in Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus, just before he ascends into heaven, so Jesus Christ, he is born of a virgin, give you some context. 
He's born of a virgin. He lives a sinless life. About 30 years into his life, he starts his public ministry. His public ministry is preaching and teaching, letting people know that the kingdom of God is at hand, that he is the son of God, and that he was sent to be the Messiah and the Christ, and that he is, as God and as man, is both Messiah and Christ. He is crucified on a cross in our position. He's buried in a borrowed grave. And three days later, he's resurrected from the grave. And then he is with the disciples and with people for a number of days. And just before he ascends into heaven in Acts chapter 1, verse verse 8, he gives this final statement. And this is a central commission. This is a central commission to us. And the central commission is that every Christian is a spirit-empowered witness. Every Christian is a spirit-empowered witness. And this is what Jesus says. These are Jesus' words. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then a cloud comes about and while the people are watching Jesus, he ascends into heaven. Jesus, right in front of their eyes, he, he ascends. The Bible will tell us that we know Jesus is going to return in the same way that he left. He is going to descend, similar to how he ascended. And, and what I want to bring your attention to in this central commissioning is the final words Jesus left with his church were to be witnesses. And his final commission should not be our least concern, but it should be our primary concern. Now, when Jesus says the the power of the Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you, he's telling us what his responsibility is. His responsibility, God's responsibility is to empower us for the work of sharing the gospel. Our responsibility is to be a witness. Our responsibility is to simply be a witness. And a witness is an eyewitness with a personal story an eyewitness with a personal story of an event. So your call, if you are a Christian, your call, if you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, your responsibility is to simply give the story of what you saw God do in your life. Now we are not called, we are not called to save people. We are not called to convince people. We are not called to convict people in our evangelism. I believe that one of the reasons that folks are so intimidated to share their faith or to give their testimony is there are some misconceptions that they may be asked something that they don't know. In order to be faithful in witnessing, all you need to know is your story. And if you don't know your story, stop making it up. All you're asked is to share your story. There's a difference between evangelism and apologetics. Apologetics is the defense of the faith. It is uh, in, within the discipline of apologetics that we are called to uh, have conversation with people in an effort to using the authority and claims of the Bible to convince them of the truth of the faith. Evangelism is simply being a witness, telling the story of how Jesus Christ has changed your life. And what we want to do is we want to create a culture here at Lone Oak First Baptist Church that celebrates sharing because sharing of our faith is what we're called to do. Bill Bright says evangelism is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ under the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. What we are supposed to do is simply to share the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to leave the results up to God. 
It is so encouraging and confidence building when we go into gospel conversations or when we seek to share our testimony, when we know the results aren't up to us. You and I, we are not being held responsible for how many people we save. We're responsible for how we share the story of Jesus Christ and his work in our life. That's why we have 500 light bulbs that we hope to light up. And I pray that you will have opportunity. And I want to challenge you, encourage you, invite you to take personal responsibility. During the course of this evangelistic campaign, we're, we're not going to have a coordinated effort by the staff. In other words, the, the, we have two weeks coming up where we're going to have a major thrust and we're going to put as much energy and effort as we can. After we finish our week of prayer, the first week of March, those next two weeks are going to be reach weeks where we are going to do everything we can. We're going to put all of our energy, all of our, uh, all of our promotion into mobilizing people. But I want to tell you what we're not going to do is we're not going to have some coordinated strategic effort led by the staff to reaching our community. It's been done in the past and there's nothing wrong with it. There's great value in it where we have what we call saturation campaigns, where the staff will, uh, will map out our community and we'll say, okay, group A, go here, group B, go there, group C, go there, and knock on every door. There's value in that, and I pray that some of you who have the capacity and capability to cold call people, I pray that you'll practice it. But one of the reasons that we, we're not going to have a strategic deliberate attempt at evangelism like that is because I believe that we need to build into our DNA a lifestyle of sharing, and the only way that we individually will develop a lifestyle of sharing is if we take personal responsibility to go and share the gospel with others. And so I wanna invite you to say, who will I share with? Next Sunday, we're gonna have a sermon about praying for the lost and we'll give more instruction on how to pray for someone or how to pray that the Lord will give you uh, inspiration or create opportunities for you to share. But right now, what I want you to understand is that your responsibility is to simply be a witness. That is the central commissioning. Here's the second point I want to bring to you with regard to sharing, and that is the critical consideration. The critical consideration. Your going and sharing is critical. Your going and your sharing is critical. Look with me at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and following. In this particular passage, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he is providing just a, an outstanding theological treatise about the faith, and he gets to this point in chapter 10 where he makes this definitive statement. It's a declaration, really. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, who can be saved? Everyone. Is there any limitation there? Yes. The limitation though, the phrase or the word everyone is inclusive to everyone, but the limitation is to be saved, you have to call on the name of the Lord. So that tells us that though the gospel and salvation is available to everyone, it's not automatic to everyone. Rather, in order to be saved, you must call on the name of the Lord. And so Paul is opening up. He wants you to know everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but they must call on the name of the Lord. Now look at verse 14, because he's about to open up this rationale, this reasoning that impresses upon us the critical nature of us going and sharing. 
He says in verse 14, how will they call on the name of him in whom they've not believed? In other words, if it's necessary for them to call on the name of the Lord to be saved, then how can they call on the name if they haven't believed? And how are they to believe in him on whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So here's five points that I want to bring to your attention. If you'll look at these. Here's the reasoning, the rationale, the, the line up that Paul gives in these particular verses. There's five points. Number one, everyone will be saved if they call on Jesus. Everyone will be saved if they call on Jesus. So anyone can be saved, but they must call in the name of Jesus. In order for them to call in the name of Jesus, they must believe to call on his name. So in order for them to call, they must believe. Now, in order for them to believe, they must hear because faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So everyone can be saved if they call on Jesus, but they must believe to call on the name of Jesus. And in order to believe, they must hear. Now, how can they hear unless they are told? So they must be told to hear. And how can they be told unless we go? So here's the framework. And it's critical for us to understand the critical role we play in this. The Bible tells us that God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to save anyone who would place their belief in him. And the Bible tells us that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The, the critical component here is that God has done the work of providing salvation and man is in need of salvation and the Lord has chosen you and me and us to be the link between God's provision of salvation and people's reception of salvation because we are God's plan A and his only plan to take the gospel to people. And you should know that when Jesus gave that commissioning in Acts chapter one, that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon us and that we would be witnesses, that was Jesus telling us that he wants us to go. That was Jesus sending us out to tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they could hear and when they hear that they could believe and when they believe that they could call on the name of Jesus Christ and that they could be saved. So you ask, okay, I understand that, but what's at stake? Their eternity is at stake. Their eternity is at stake. And if you don't go, who will? Who are we waiting on? There are no backup troops coming to this warfare. This is a battle and we are God's plan A. And he has given us every resource and every rich and every power that we need to accomplish the mission. But we must go with the gospel. Sharing is so critical. Sharing is so critical and we have been entrusted. We have been entrusted with a message and we have been commissioned to go and to tell. So what are we gonna tell them? Look at point three in your outline, the core components. Sometimes we ask, okay, what exactly do I need to share? 
What exactly do I need to share in order to say I shared my faith? Well, being a witness is to tell your story of how Jesus Christ has changed your life, but there are core components to the gospel that must be included. And and I believe that at a bare minimum, here are three components that must be included. We must share, our testimony must include sin, salvation, and an invitation. Our testimony should include sin, salvation, and an invitation. Maybe you've been trained in sharing your faith before and you've been told that every testimony should include two parts. What was your life like before you met Jesus Christ? What was the encounter when you got saved? What was it like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And now what is your life like after the fact? So how were you a sinner? What did it look like before you were saved? How did you come to hear about Jesus Christ and to surrender your life to him? And what have you done since as a response to being saved of your sins? Those are the three components. And I want to share with you these three components in just a little bit more detail, but I'll also point your attention. In the church foyer, we have a table called uh, Missionary Tools. And on that table are a variety of resources that will help you share your faith or give you more information. I think I had some examples. There are, on those table, there are these these cute little bracelets. We have adult sizes and children's sizes with, uh, with depictions of the, the actions of Christ descending, living, being crucified, being buried, and then ascending. You can wear these. You can grab these as many as you want, I guess, uh, from the table there. And you can wear these and perhaps someone will see one on your wrist and say, hey, what is that about? And it'll open up an opportunity for you to share the gospel. You can just simply explain it. Jesus Christ came down. Uh, he died on the cross. There's a promise of salvation. He ascended and he's coming back. Uh, have you ever received Jesus as your savior? It's as simple as that. Come down here and turn a light bulb on. There are, in addition to these these bracelets, there's also tracks. This is the faith outline. We have Roman roads tracks. We have the ABCs of salvation. This is the faith outline. As a matter of fact, when I got saved uh, on October 12th, 2004 in Knoxville, Tennessee, I was at a Ken Freeman revival. Ken Freeman is an evangelist. He's coming to this area uh, in a few weeks, and that's very exciting for me. But I responded to the gospel invitation and this man named Wiley Jones took me to a back counseling room and he actually pulled out, not this exact card, but he pulled out the faith outline and he walked me through it to make sure that I was clear about what I was making a decision on. And I prayed that night to receive Jesus Christ and and my eternity is secure. We have these resources at the missionary table in the back, and I want to invite you on your way out, if you would like more information about the faith and sharing your faith, that you would stop by that table and grab some resources. Uh, Ms. Christie will be there. She's one of our our hosts and um, welcome team members this week. She'd be glad to help you get some resources there. At the minimum, here's a statement for you. At a minimum, we must share the condition and consequence of sin the only way of salvation and the invitation to respond. Let me share those three points with you. Number one, the condition and consequences of sin. Romans chapter three, verse 23 says, for all have sinned and, ev- and fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans chapter six, verse 23, the scripture says, for the wages of sin is death. So the condition is everyone is a sinner. If you're a sinner, raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. You can raise your hand now. (laughs) Everyone is a sinner. Everyone is a sinner. 
The consequences of sin is death. What we must put our foot down on is that hell is a real place and you really will go there if you have not been saved by Jesus Christ. The condition of sin is that everyone's a sin. The consequences of sin is eternal separation from God and that is a real place called hell. And it never ends. And we need to tell people, listen, everybody's a sinner, but you need to understand that just because everyone's a sinner doesn't mean there's no consequences. There's consequences to sin, and that is that we'd go to hell. But I want to tell you that God doesn't want you to go to hell. God doesn't want you to go to hell, and he's provided the only way for salvation, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that's the second point of the message when we're sharing these core components of evangelism. Number one, the condition and consequences of sin. And number two, the only way of salvation. Bible tells us in Romans chapter five, verse eight, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, you can say, God gave his one and only son so that you wouldn't have to die. God gave his one and only son so that you can be saved. Because there's consequences of sin, the debt had to be paid and God decided he was gonna pay it for you. God decided he was gonna pay it for you. Again, we're, we're sharing our faith here. Hey friend, I just wanna tell you there is, everyone's a sinner. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. And it's terrible news because, well, the consequences of sin is death. You may not feel like you're going to hell right now, but I'm telling you, you are. And I was too. But God doesn't want you to be saved. God wants everyone to, or he doesn't want you to be lost and go to hell. He wants everyone to be saved. He gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And this is why Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation because Jesus Christ is the only one that paid the debt penalty for you and not for himself. He didn't have to pay for himself. Everyone else, if they were to die, they're paying the debt penalty for themselves. But Jesus Christ, he never sinned, which means that when he died on the cross, he wasn't paying his debt, he was paying yours. And here's the critical component. And in all of my lectures and all of my teaching of evangelism, this is one of the, this is one of the components that so many pe people fail to include in their general prescription of how to do evangelism, but it's one that I believe we need to center in on, and that is the invitation to respond. So many people will share the gospel and they'll do so faithfully, but they don't extend an invitation. See, when Jesus was witnessing and sharing the kingdom of God with people, so often he would invite them to do something with their faith. The woman at the well, he said, go away and sin no more. That was an invitation to respond. If we don't give an invitation to respond, people won't know what to do with what we just told them. And a great example of this is in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38. Peter has been preaching the gospel for the first time under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's preaching the gospel to 3,000 people. And when he finishes preaching the gospel faithfully, powerfully declaring God's truth through Jesus Christ, the people look at him and they say, well, what do we do now? And Peter and the others said, repent and be baptized. And I want to encourage you, when you share your faith, beat them to the punch. Don't make them ask you what to do with it. Say, listen, Jesus Christ has died for your sins and you can have that salvation in your life. And I want to tell you how you can do so. The way that you can receive Jesus into your life is to repent of your sins by turning to him and call on Jesus for salvation. People say, well, why do I need to repent? If Jesus has provided my salvation, then why do I need to, to, why do, I need to do something? 
Well, your repenting is not you doing something to be saved. Your repenting is turning towards the one who has done something for you to be saved. See, repenting is to turn from walking in sin and to turn towards Jesus Christ. Because we say Jesus Christ is not just our Savior, but he's also our Lord. On the cross, Jesus Christ saved us from our sins. And in the resurrection, he rose again so that we could follow him forevermore, even into the resurrection ourselves. And so we want to teach people what the scripture has called us to teach them, which is to believe and to repent. We have to step past, church. I want to just take an aside. Let me step aside so that you understand this. It's a part of the message, but it's separate. We have to take a stand against easy believism. Easy believism is the suggestion that simply believing in Jesus Christ is all God has called you to. And so people will say, I want to share Jesus Christ with you. Do you believe in him? Sure, I believe in Jesus. I believe there was a real Jesus. I believe that he, he lived in Nazareth. Okay, that's all you have to do to be saved. But God's standard is not just to simply believe in him, but that is to be repentant, to follow him. And Jesus tells us in John chapter three, when he's talking to Nicodemus about being born again, at the end of that, he says, you can tell those who believe in me by them who follow me and who obey me. And I wanna be very clear, there is nothing you can do to earn your salvation or to keep your salvation, but the evidence of someone who is truly saved is a man, woman, an individual who follows Jesus Christ into repentance. And when you invite someone to be saved, share your testimony with them. Tell them about sin. Tell them about the only way of salvation in Jesus Christ. And then tell them, you can be saved. It's as simple as turning away from sin and placing your trust in Jesus Christ. Would you like to do that? I like to ask it this way. Would you like to follow Jesus Christ? You'd be amazed how many people have heard the gospel but have never been invited to simply follow Jesus Christ. And you'd be surprised how many people would respond, yes, I would like to follow Jesus Christ. Every once in a while, you'll come across someone that says, no, I don't want to follow Jesus Christ. I mean, it happens. Some folks are like, you know, I'm okay going to hell. And they're, they're dead serious. But again, I would remind you, our responsibility is not to convict them or convince them. Our responsibility is to share the good news and leave the results up to God. God can change their hearts, you can't. So would you be faithful in sharing the gospel with someone this week? 500. 500 gospel conversations. Let's knock it out of the park. I wanna move us to a time of invitation. Brother Mark and the worship team, if you'd make your way forward. During this invitation, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond. And here's how you may wanna respond this morning. Maybe you shared the gospel with someone this week and you want to come up here during the invitation to, uh, to turn on a light bulb. Someone asked me before the service, can I come during the invitation or is that too uh, braggadocious? Is, that to, is it too showy? Jesus calls us to do many things in secret, praying in secret, fasting in secret, giving in secret, but he's never told us to share the gospel in secret. Why can't we celebrate that? The Bible tells us that once one soul comes to faith in Jesus Christ, that all of heaven erupts into a worship service. I don't know why we can't celebrate sharing the gospel here on earth. I mean, if heaven is, we might as well join them. 
So maybe you've shared the gospel with someone this week and you want to come forward and, and turn a light bulb on. We welcome that. And if you're, uh, if you're not sure about walking down in front of all of these people, um, you can come up after the service. But one of the ways you could respond is by turning a bulb on. Another way you may want to respond today is, is by praying for someone that you need to share the gospel with. Maybe the Lord's convicted you of a neighbor, a friend, a family member who is lost and going to hell, and you are responsible for going. Pray the Lord would give you opportunity. Pray he'd give you boldness. Maybe you need to come today to join the church. We have a number of families that have been talking about joining the work at Lone Oak and you want to make a commitment, say, this is my church family and I'm committing to be here. If you want to join the church, I'll be available down front. We'll have other ministers that are available down front. We would love to receive you. We're also going to have our prayer teams that are going to come down in just a moment. If you need someone to pray with you or pray for you or to help you pray about a cause, we have both men and women that want to pray. But I'll tell you the last way you may want to respond this morning is perhaps you heard us talking about the gospel that you need to share and you realized, I can't be a witness because I've never... I can't be a witness because I don't have a story to tell. And it wouldn't surprise me if someone here today in the front, in the back, or in the balcony says, you know what, I can't tell my story because I don't have a story to tell and I need to get saved. During this invitation, would you, don't wait, but after this prayer, would you step out of your aisle and out of your pew and step down the aisle and would you let us share with you the best news that will ever be shared? And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ and how he can be your savior. You can be saved today. You can be saved today. I want to invite you where you are to stand. Our prayer team, if you would make your way forward. Our ministers, if you would make your way forward. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer and then we're going to sing an invitation song. That would be your time to respond. Lord, we thank you for the morning, the opportunity to hear the call that we have to share the gospel. And Lord, we are being trained. And I pray, Lord, that through the faithful teaching of your word and your ways and your commissioning, that the church, the people would be mobilized. Father, create unique opportunities, even today, where people would be able to share. And I pray, God, that you would make it a confident word in the heart of these people to simply know what to say and that it would be a, a way of life. Lord, we want to be faithful because you were. And we want to go because you've sent us. But now, Lord, there are some that need to do business to celebrate sharing or maybe even to receive Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that you would help them step out in faith by obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. The invitation's open. Who needs to respond?